to look at all of these different portions of Scripture. But we're going to begin in, uh, I want you to have 1 Corinthians 15 ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 ready, because that's one of the classic passages dealing with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you're turning, the children can be dismissed for children's uh, Bible time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I also want you to turn in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in the Word of God. We're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 4 and come back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, now this for you, you that may be unfamiliar with where this is, if you'll find the book of Revelation, you go back. You'll come back through a few books. You'll come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. So great to see you. So great to see you. Uh, I'm excited to be anywhere this morning, to be perfectly honest with you. I've had a kind of a crazy trip. We closed a meeting on Thursday night in Valparaiso, Indiana, near Hammond and Gary and Chicago. Drove all night Thursday night to get to Omaha where Amber and the family dropped me off so I could catch a flight. And then they drove the rest of the way here to the Platte Valley Baptist Church. And I, in the meantime, flew out to uh, Sacramento, California, preached uh, yesterday and got on a flight and flew back last night. So uh, if I break out in tongues at any given moment, you'll understand why. But uh, we're just glad, so thankful to be here and so thankful to see what the Lord is going to do in these days. Let's pause and pray and ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Father, thank you for the privilege that you've given me once again to stand in this pulpit. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and help me as I preach this morning. I pray that you'd help everyone here that hears the word of God. Lord, give us ears to hear. Help us to respond to your word with an openness and a tenderness. I pray that you'd bind Satan and all of his minions. May he have no influence in our thinking and our mind. I pray that you'd give us a calm and a peace. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do because we ask this in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things that I enjoyed growing up was family vacation. I don't know how it worked in your family growing up, but a lot of our family vacations were spent going to visit family. Uh, we lived in my first nine years in uh, Indiana, northwestern Indiana, and we would a lot of times either go to Minnesota to visit my grandparents and my cousins in Minnesota, or we would go over to North Dakota, and that was where my mom's family was from. And uh, dad's family lived in Minnesota. Mom's family lived over in uh, North Dakota. And so we would go. When we went to visit uh, my, my mom's family up in North Dakota, it's five miles uh, south of the Canadian border, up about an hour north of Minot. And uh, we would go and visit my mom's family. And I had a lot of cousins there. My cousin Jerry and, and uh, Rowena and, and Carla and, and Lenny and Julie. Uh, we would have a big time out on the farm. We would, a lot of times, my family would go to one of their farms and we'd spread out and the adults would be inside sipping coffee and solving all the problems of the world. In the meantime, we were out enjoying life. And one of the ways that we like to enjoy life is we'd go back to the hedgerow and back to the woods and we'd play a game of hide or seek, hide and seek. And we'd get, we'd get out, somebody would be chosen, we'd put our feet down in the middle and they'd do the choosing and the ceremonial choosing and then we would go and, and that person was it. And that person had to count to 10 or 20 or 30 or 500 or whatever it was. And, uh, and everybody else had the responsibility of hiding. And when they were done counting, they would say these words, ready or not, here I come. That's right. Ready or not, here I come. And that's what the Lord Jesus is saying today. 
Only this isn't a matter of hide and seek. This is a matter of heaven or hell. And so you better be ready when Jesus comes. His coming is nearer than, when, than, than you think. So I want you to see from what the Bible says, several passages of Scripture, some simple truths about the rapture this morning. Now, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. But did you know neither is the word Bible found in the word Bible uh, except on the cover? And so the idea of the rapture is all throughout the Bible. It's found in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 19 and found in the book of Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. It's the idea of the rapture. That is God rescuing his own from certain judgment. And before God sends judgment that he has already prophesied, he does two things. He sends his prophets to warn and then he rescues his own. Uh, much like America, before they go in and they begin to invade or they begin to, to, to declare war on a nation, they will send a message to all of their own citizens, get out, get out. And sometimes they'll send a message to those citizens who are not uh, against them. They'll say, look out. And so the truth is, is before God sends judgment, he always sends his prophets to warn. First Peter makes this clear in Second Peter chapter 2 when it says that God sent judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah and sent judgment upon the angels that disobeyed and sent judgment upon Noah or Noah's day uh, the, the people in Noah's day he sent his prophets to warn and then he rescues his own and that's what he's doing now there's more preaching now than there's ever been on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and on the rapture why because he's getting the message out you better get ready you better get right you better get on board with the Lord and then he's going to rescue his own that's the idea all throughout the Bible. And then the idea of the, of the rapture is not just, not just in, in Moses or Noah's day and Lot's day and, and the angels that disobeyed as mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 2, but it's actually specifically mentioned. Now we heard several references to Philippians chapter uh, 4 and, and, and Colossians chapter 3 and elsewhere in the New Testament this morning. But I want to give you just a few passages of scripture, mainly from 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians. Notice, please, first of all, the rapture of the saints, that is, when we are caught up together with the Lord. The rapture of the saints. When everyone who knows Christ as Savior, who has trusted Christ as Savior, who settled their eternal destiny by believing that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, they've accepted his gift of eternal life, and in another way of saying it, they've been born again. Everyone who has Jesus Christ living in him through the person of the Holy Spirit will be raptured up, caught up together. The Bible refers to it as our gathering together unto him. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And so when that rapture happens, we believe it is an imminent event. That is, it's the next event on God's prophetic timetable. The Bible doesn't say when it is. Uh, back in 2012, there was a man who was uh, named Harold Camping at a radio station and radio uh, network all across the country. He began to say that on May 21st, 2012, the end of the world would come. And so it was big news. And I mean, it was billboards and TV ads and it was all over the Internet. And uh, people would ask me, they'd say, Brother Smith, uh, do you think that the end of the world is coming May 21st? And I said, nah, I don't know. I said, it might be May 20th. And I said, it may be May 22nd, but it's not going to be May 21st. And they say, oh, 
How do you know? I said, because Mr. Camping is violating the scripture on this matter of prophecy. When in Mark chapter 13, Jesus says, no man knows the day or the hour. And in Matthew 24, 25, he says, only my father in heaven knows the day and the hour. So, so Harold Camping doesn't know. Well, May 21st came. There was buzz and excitement leading up to it. And guess what? The end of the world didn't come. No, it didn't come. Uh, and, and guess after that, Harold Camping said, I, you know, I think I, I miscalculated. No, really? He said, I think it's going to be in October, something like that. Well, of the same year. And guess what? October came and went, and guess the world didn't, didn't end. We're still here. Now, you see what this does? This kind of prophecy or prophecy proves something. Harold Camping is a false prophet. Because the Bible makes plain that if you make a prophecy and you say, thus saith the Lord, and it doesn't come to pass, that no one should ever listen to you again. And when people start to name dates and date uh, when Jesus Christ is coming, this is what you do. You reach back and grab your wallet from your back pocket and you put it in your front pocket and keep your hand on it. That's what you do. Because you know instantly they're a con man. And they don't know either they're ignorant about the Bible or they're purposely deceiving and so Jesus Christ is coming, but, but now anybody that comes along and says Jesus Christ is coming, some unsaved person who was exposed to that babble in May of, 20, uh, of 2012, they say, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 we've heard this before. You see, and it discredits the authority of the word of God, and thus it is a tool of Satan in the process. But I want to say that the coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the saints is an event clearly laid out in the Bible. Now, before I say another word, I want to say this in preparation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we believe the Bible to be absolutely true. Not somewhat true, not mostly true, not 99% true. We believe it to be 100% true. From cover to cover, you can trust your King James Bible to be the absolute word of God. This is what Proverbs 35 says. It says, every word of God is pure. This is what Psalm 12 says. The words of the Lord are pure words. This is what Psalm 119 says. It says that the, the, thy word is very pure. So either God's word is pure and true or it's not. And do you know one reason why we know it's pure? Because of prophecy. Prophecy. Do you know there were prophecies concerning uh, nations that would come and go like Amalek? God prophesied through a man who wasn't that great of a preacher named Balaam. And he said someday uh, Amalek is going to be destroyed. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15 they were. Did you know that God prophesied concerning Nineveh? After there was a great revival under Jonah, God prophesied that Nineveh would be destroyed, and it was. Did you know that God prophesied the rise of nations and the fall of nations? In Daniel chapter 2, he prophesied concerning uh, the fall of Babylon and the fall of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar being placed with the reign of Cyrus and Darius, and then Darius and Cyrus being replaced with Alexander the Great, and then Alexander the Great and the Grecian kingdom being replaced with the Roman Empire, and it came to pass just as he said. You can take that passage alone, Daniel chapter 2, and bring it right up to today because in Daniel chapter 2, there is a prophecy concerning a kingdom that is yet to come, the kingdom of Antichrist, which I'm sure you'll learn more about this week. So we know the Bible is true because of the prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Do you know there are all kinds of prophecies concerning Jesus Christ's first coming? Hundreds of them. 
prophecies concerning exactly where he would be born, Bethlehem, how he would be born of a virgin, how he would live his life, a righteous life, that he would be despised and rejected of men, Isaiah 53, that he would die and how he would die, uh, Joel, that he would be pierced in Psalm 22, that his bones would be pulled out of joint and that he would have stripes laid on him, Isaiah 53, and that he would rise again, Psalm 16. So one reason why we know every word in this book is true is because of the many prophecies that have been fulfilled and the many prophecies concerning Christ's first coming, which were fulfilled. But did you know that for every one prophecy concerning Christ's first coming, there are three prophecies concerning his second coming? And that's what we want to focus on this week. And that's something that ought to excite us and thrill us. And that's something that ought to encourage us in the Lord. That's something that ought to, that, that ought to uh, solidify our faith. Hey, listen, if you come to the, the preaching of prophecy and you come say, oh, no, preaching on prophecy. Oh, no. no that's, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with it. Either the preaching is wrong or you're wrong. And I like what they said about Billy Sunday. They said, you know, we don't like your preaching. It rubs, it's like rubbing the cat the wrong way. He said, well, then the cat needs to turn around. And that's right. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we believe the Bible to be true concerning everything that it speaks on. And it speaks on prophecy. Some have already been fulfilled, many, and some have yet to be fulfilled. And so there are many passages in the Bible that we could go to concerning this. I want to say this as well. When you listen to preachers preach on prophecy, and they are many, listen with practical uh, discernment. Listen with practical discernment. Uh, if they're preaching something where Jesus is going to come in the middle of the tribulation or the end so that you could build a bunker, uh, that's not Bible prophecy. That's not Bible doctrine. Uh, because that's generating fear. Bible doctrine generates faith and boldness, not fear. Jesus Christ is coming. Go build a bunker. Jesus Christ is coming. Store up on MREs. Look, if I'm going to store up, it's going to be cinnamon toast crunch. I'm just going to put that right out there for you. Not MREs. Uh, but Jesus Christ is coming. Go buy ammo. I will say, I'm glad that Jesus is coming, but I don't need that as an excuse to buy ammo. Right, Brother Shannon? A amen. And so here, uh, the truth of the matter is, listen with practical discernment. Sometimes there's all kinds of craziness that's gone out in the name of prophecy. We don't want to do that. We're not here to raise some kind of special funds because we're preaching on prophecy. We're not here to take you on a trip to Israel and promise you a, 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 a tour of the Holy Lands because of prophecy. But we are here to preach this. Jesus Christ is coming. You better get ready. That's what we're preaching. And so I want to just show it to you from the Bible. Ready or not, here I come. Let's go. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I want you to notice, first of all, that the rapture of the saints, that is us being caught up to see Jesus, Jesus coming and the rapture of the saints is sure. It's a sure event. It's a sure event. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5, would you? First Thessalonians chapter 5. Notice what the Bible says. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Now, Paul was writing to these Thessalonians, who, these Thessalonians, who he had, had start, where he had started a church. He'd been there three Sabbath days. That means either clo close to three weeks or close to five weeks, depending on. He was going from house to house, preaching the gospel, and going from any place he could, and people got saved. And to those people, he writes in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, of the times and seasons, ye have no need that I write unto you. 
for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh, so cometh as a thief in the night. That is, the beginning of the end, if you will. It comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. And by the way, a woman bearing a child is very much a good analogy and metaphor of Jesus Christ coming again. When it talks about the blessed hope, that word hope isn't, I hope that the Broncos win. Uh, It's not that. It's, I'm expecting a baby and soon that baby is coming. It's a matter of time before that baby comes. Uh, When a woman uh, bears a child that she's been carrying for nine months, she's not surprised like a thief in the night. She's expecting it. And ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus Christ comes and raptures his saints, uh, they're going to be expecting it. I've been more excited about Jesus coming and the rapture of the saints in the last three years than I've been in my whole ministry. And I've preached this everywhere I go, but I'm so excited. This is the thing that brings great thrill and excitement to to God's people. Verse 4, he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, that is, those of us who are saved, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. In other words, get your armor on and get in the battle and get ready. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Do you see what he said in verse 9? God hath not appointed us to wrath, Now listen carefully, often when the Bible speaks of the day of Christ or the day of the Lord, it's not talking about a specific moment as much as it's talking about a moment that sparks several moments. It's talking about the rapture through the tribulation, through the millennial reign. If Jesus Christ comes before I finish this message, do you know what still has to happen? The Antichrist has to be revealed, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and come to power and rule and make a peace treaty with the Jews and the Arabs. Doesn't look like that's too possible right now, does it? But he's going to do it. And that's why the world is going to say, he's our man, let's follow him. So he's going to come to power. He's going to rule for seven years. He'll do battle with Jesus Christ at the end of those seven years. And Jesus Christ will win. And he'll set up his thousand-year reign. So if Jesus Christ were to come right now, there's still a thousand seven years left to go before the end of the world. But watch, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, refers to the rapture that begins it all, and then it speaks many times of that entire time frame. So he says that you're not appointed unto wrath. That means you're not going to face the tribulation if you know Jesus Christ is Savior. You're going to be raptured out of here. This is a sure event. Listen to what the scripture says in 2 Thessalonians 2. Your Bibles are open to 1 Thessalonians 5. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 3. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and by our gathering together unto him. There you have the, the rapture, our gathering together unto him. Jesus Christ comes. We'll note in a moment, he appears in the clouds. There's the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. But he says, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now watch, ladies and gentlemen. He's saying, hey, don't be deceived. And verse 2, don't be troubled. Why? Because between 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Thessalonians 2, the two letters that were written by inspiration uh, of Paul, that means God breathed these words out to Paul, someone came along and wrote a letter and, and forged the Apostle Paul's name saying, the day of Christ is at hand. You, you folks there at the church at Thessalonica, you're already going through the tribulation and you better worry about it. What? What a liar. What a cheat. What a thief. What a crook. What a con that would come along and pretend to be the Apostle Paul. And I believe, Brother Paul, even pretend to, to be inspired in your writing. Boy, there's a lot to answer for someday for that letter. And they began to sow fear amongst God's people. Again, let me say, any doctrine or teaching that shows sows fear and terror amongst God's people is not of God. It's not of God. He told us 365 times in the Bible, fear not. So it's not of God. Some doctrine stirring all that up. But what is of God is Jesus Christ is coming and we're going to be gathered up unto him. Notice it is a sure event. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 5 through 8. Look at verse 5 through 8. He says, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? In other words, don't you remember? We've talked about this. I preached about this. You asked questions about this. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And watch verse number six. Now ye know what withholdeth. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit. He withholds evil in this world. If he didn't withhold evil in this world, it would be a, it would be a total cesspool. You say, well, it's, it's a cesspool now. Well, if he didn't withhold evil, it would be a million times worse. Now you know what withholdeth, that he, that is the Antichrist, might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth, that's the same idea as withholding or hindering, he who now letteth will let, will withhold, will hinder, until he be taken out of the way. When will he be taken out of the way? The special indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way at the rapture. There won't be any Christians to sit on city councils and say, no, we're not going to teach that in our schools. There won't be any Christians that will be teachers in the school saying, no, I'm not going to teach that mess to my kids. There won't be any Christians to say to the librarians, you can't have those books here. There won't be any Christians to write their congressmen or their senators. There won't be any Christians to stand up against a, 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 a strip tease joint showing up on every corner and a bar popping up in every home and a speakeasy in every garage. There won't be anybody to stand against it because the Holy Spirit, through uh, His indwelling Spirit, through His indwelling presence, works through believers to be salt and light, that is, hinder evil. So why won't He be here? The rapture! We're going to be caught up! It is a sure event. I want you to notice not only is it sure, number two, it's soon. Number two, it's soon. It's soon. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Watch this. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 
Now, you know, saved and salvation isn't always talking about saved specifically uh, from sin. Sometimes it's talking about physical salvation. Mark chapter 13, Matthew chapter 24. That's important to know. Sometimes it's talking about uh, a future physical salvation. We have been saved as believers. We are being saved, that is, we're being sanctified and growing, and someday we'll be completely saved. You say, preacher, what do you mean? All right, if you're saved, do you still struggle with sin? Do you still think thoughts that you sometimes shouldn't think? I do. Do you still say words that sometimes you shouldn't say? I do. I wish I could say I didn't, but I do. Do you still sometimes do things that you shouldn't do? I do. Now, we don't have to, and God's given us the victory, and he bought our victory on the cross, just like he bought our salvation, so you can do right, and you should do right, and in the power of Christ, uh, you ought to do right, but watch me now. Uh, Sometimes we still struggle with sin, but when we see Jesus, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is, and we won't ever struggle at all, ever again, for any reason. Now watch, I want you to see this. His coming is soon. And in Revelation, or Romans 13, 11, he says, Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul said that to the Romans just a few years after Jesus had gone to the glory. We're 2,000 years removed. How much nearer is our salvation than when we first believed? I'm closer to heaven now than when I trusted Christ 45 years ago. Hey, you're closer to Jesus now uh, and his return than when you trusted Christ a year ago or six months ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Listen to the scripture. His coming is sure. His coming is soon. The rapture of the saints is sure. It's soon. First Thessalonians four. Would you turn back to first Thessalonians chapter four? I, I draw your attention to verse number 13. This is one of the classic passages dealing with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do we believe that? Well, I got three of you. (laughs) Now, I just want to go on record and say nobody's allowed to go to sleep. Yeah, I'm a little sleep deprived this morning, so if I didn't get my sleep, you can't get yours right now, okay? You can sleep this afternoon. But watch now, he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's a premise. We believe that. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, uh, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, that is those who have died trusting Christ, will God bring with him. He's going to resurrect them someday. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is what the Bible's saying. The Bible is saying that his coming is soon. Hey, hey, I would not have you to be ignorant. Hey, he, his coming is near. Hey, First Thessalonians chapter 4, he's saying you better get ready and you better be watchful because Jesus is going to appear in the clouds. He's going to appear with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Those that have died trusting Christ are going to be resurrected first and we're going to follow his coming is soon his coming is sure number one his coming is soon number two i want you to notice his coming is sudden would you turn back to first corinthians 15 where we where we first started first corinthians 15 first corinthians 15 again you have the gospel the death and resurrection of jesus christ and then you have the rapture the whole passage the whole chapter is talking about the the resurrection 
uh, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the saints. Notice verse 50, 52, for, excuse me, verse 52, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What's he saying? His coming is sudden. Sudden. You're not going to have time to get ready. Now, I was reading Matthew th- or Mark 13 last night, and uh, Ma- Mark 13, just like Matthew 24, listen carefully. Some people get these things confused, and they use these interchangeably. Those two chapters and others that Jesus refers to are not the rapture. Don't confuse them. You read those chapters carefully, and you say, wait a second, uh, this is the rapture. It says two will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Well, that's the rapture. Kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? Uh, Two will be in bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. It kind of sounds like the rapture. Uh, it's, It's the rapture. No, it's not. No, that's talking about the Jews, the dear Jewish people. He was talking to his disciples. He was talking in the context of the temple being destroyed. And they were asking, when's this all going to happen? And he said, then he gives a whole treatise on the end time events as it relates to the dear Jewish people and Jewish believers and Jewish unbelievers and how that all works out. And when he's talking about one will be taken, the other left, one's taken in judgment, one's taken out, and the other's going to be left. In the same passage, he says, if you're on the housetop, don't go down into the uh, house to get your coat. If you're, uh, he says, when that happens, flee to the mountains. Well, wait, that's not the rapture. We're not, if it happens in the twinkling of an eye, you know how fast that is? Blink your eye right now, would you just blink your eye? That's pretty fast. Snap your finger right now, would you? That's pretty fast. Some of you need to work on your snappers. All you young people better work on your snappers real good because when you get married, you're going to need it when you have kids. Anyway, uh, he, that's, that's pretty fast. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. That, the twinkling of an eye is neither snapping your finger nor blinking your eye. Do you know what it is? It's the light glistening off your eye, the sun glistening off your eye. Faster than that. Go figure that out, you math people. Go figure how fast that is. You're not going to have time to think, oh, should I go get something down in the house? No. He says, flee to the mountains. You're not going to have time to think, where do I go? God's people aren't fleeing to the mountains when the rapture happens. No, no, we're going straight to glory. We're going faster than the rockets. We're going faster than Elon Musk can get a satellite into orbit. We're going faster than all of that. And we're going far beyond all of that. And we're going to be straight up with Jesus. You say, preacher, you believe this? From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and the short distance in between. Yes, I do. I believe it. I believe it. And I believe it just as sure as you're seated here and as sure as I'm standing here, Jesus Christ is coming. His coming could happen at any moment. And it's going to be a sudden event. It is a sure event. Watch this. It is a soon event. And it is a sudden event. It is happening. It is happening. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. It is a sudden event. Happens in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Watch now. It is a sweet event. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That must have been a mystery for those believers in in the church at Corinth. That, a mystery, what? Will not all sleep? He's talking about death. Not all believers are going to die. Some of us are going to be raptured up before we die. I hope so. 
I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I can't wait till Jesus comes, and I hope he comes in my lifetime. I hope that I go without dying. Uh, I hope that I go without dying. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. How's that going to happen? Here's a man that's been saved, and he died two days ago, and his body is still at the morgue, still, or still uh, being cared for by the funeral director. Here's a man who's died, and he's been dead for three weeks, and his body's already in the grave. Here's a man who's uh, died, and he's died in battle, and his body's been blown to bits. Here's a lady who's died, and she was cremated, and they all trusted Christ as Savior. What's going to happen? The DNA is going to come together, and God's going to resurrect them. Resurrect them, just like his resurrection power raised the widow's son in, in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Kings chapter 18, just like uh, j in 17, first, just like, uh, just like uh, Elijah's uh, dead body uh, when it was touched by the dead man, all of a sudden that dead man raised, uh, just like Jesus raised the widow, the woman's son at Nain, just like he raised Lazarus from the dead, the DNA all comes together, no, no, just like he raised Jairus' daughter, all of it comes together. All life now is infused and he raises us. He says the dead in Christ shall rise and the scripture says that this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. He's saying the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That means those that have died trusting Christ, they're going to be raised and they'll have a brand new body. Then he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know, this, this takes the sting out of death. Jesus took the stinger out of death when he died on the cross and, and took death upon himself. He tasted death for every man. He accomplished death. He conquered death, uh, the Bible says. And, and so he took the stinger out of death so that when death comes to those of us who are believers, we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. How many of you have ever been to a funeral that is a funeral either of or, or the, those that are burying him or those that are buried are not saved. How many of you have ever been? Don't raise your hand, but you've been to a funeral like that. You know what there is not? There is not hope. No hope. I remember the first funeral I went to. Most of my family have trusted Christ on both my mom's side and dad's side. In fact, I can't think of anybody that I know of specifically that has not trusted Christ in our family, both uh, going forward and, and uh, looking back in, in a, at least a generation. So I remember the first funeral I went to of lost folks. It was a, a, another religion, and I, th there was incense, and there was, there was uh, chanting, and there was weeping, and there was wailing, and there was crying, and there was heartache, and there was sorrow. But you know what there wasn't? There was not hope. I want to say if you die without Jesus Christ, there is no hope after that. No hope. That's why this church exists, to be a light and a beacon of hope in this county. That's why you as a Christian exist, to be a light and beacon of hope, to point people to Jesus. Somebody says, you Christians believe in hell? Yes, because the Bible teaches it. And what kind of Christian would we be if we didn't warn you of hell? 
What kind of Christian would we be if we didn't offer you hope? The fact that we're preaching about hell doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. It just means we found hope in Jesus Christ and we know we're not going because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we want everybody to have that same hope. We're trying to be selfless. We're trying to point people to Jesus. In fact, if we didn't preach on hell and we didn't warn, then you could have a case and point a finger at us and tell us we're no good rotten scoundrels. But don't point a finger at us and tell us that we are no good rotten scoundrels because we preach about hell. We're actually trying to warn you. Uh, my, my son and my wife and I, they, they were coming uh, just into Colorado with the truck and trailer. They had just gotten into Colorado. And all of a sudden, there was a, a car that was in their lane heading in the opposite direction right at them. This just happened just a day or two ago. And, and, and my wife started to say to my son who was driving, get over, slow down, slow down, get over. There were about seven or eight cars up ahead. What if my wife just said, oh, he'll make it. She'd be no kind of a mama. Get over, get over. The cars got over. The car behind him, beside him, went in front of him, and, and pretty soon somebody called the cops, and the cops were on it. Somebody that wouldn't warn you doesn't love you, either that or they don't know that there is warning to be given. I want to say that there's only one thing worse than being in grave danger. That's being in grave danger and not knowing it. And do you know what's worse than being in grave danger and not knowing it? Someone who knows about the grave danger and doesn't warn you. So don't get mad at a preacher for pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. And if you are left behind, you're going to be in a bad, bad, bad way. But those of us who have trusted Christ, we got hope. Not because we've thought positive thoughts. Not because we have uh, a big congregation. Not because we have some kind of corner on the truth. But we've came, come to Jesus and we've received forgiveness of sin. And his word guarantees that when Jesus Christ appears in the clouds, we're going to be with him. And that's the very next event. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. It, this event is sure. This event is sudden this event is soon this event is sweet because it gives comfort and gives hope those that have died trusting christ are going to have a brand new body those that are still alive when jesus christ comes are going to have a brand new body how many of you are looking forward to a brand new body <laughs> it won't be a knee replacement it'll be a whole body replacement it won't be it won't be a liver transplant it'll be the inside outside everywhere we go it'll be ready to go i mean fresh off the lot it'll have that new car smell <laughs> maybe a little bit better than that but you know it's going to be beautiful it's going to be wonderful i'm looking forward to it my dad is 89 he'll be 90 in a couple of weeks and you know to be honest with you it makes me sad to see him struggle through life right now every morning i pray and i'm praying lord Please don't let him struggle. Take away the pain or take him to heaven. And he prays that. He said, Dwight, you don't know how much I want to go to heaven. And I want him to go to heaven. I mean, I like my dad being around and I love talking to him. And I have all kinds of dad stories and, and dad conversations that I'm just going to catalog forever in my brain. But I don't want to see him suffer. Hard to get up out of the chair. Hard to sleep at night. Pain here, pain there, pain everywhere. His new hobby is going to the doctor. It's just hard for me to see my dad struggle like that. But you know soon he's going, he's going straight to glory. And he won't have to wait for somebody on the phone that doesn't even speak his language to set an appointment. <laughs> he's got it. 
He's trusted Christ as Savior, and pretty soon he's going to receive a new body. And pretty soon I'm going to receive a new body. And we'll be able to clip up and down Hallelujah Avenue and say glory and see the Lord Jesus and see those who've gone before. I'm looking forward to it. It brings great comfort. That's why he says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, watch now. This event, this coming of Jesus Christ, it is a, it is a uh, sure event. It is a soon event. It is a sudden event. It is a sweet event. But number four, uh, number finally, it is a sobering event. It is a sobering event. You said, preacher, what do you mean? Well, your Bibles are open to 1 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Just over a few pages to your right, 2 Corinthians 5. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9. Paul, under inspiration, writes 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, you're already accepted in the beloved, but I want to ask you, beloved, brothers and sisters in Christ, are you accepted of him? I never had to worry growing up whether my dad was going to put me up for adoption if I messed up. I never had to worry about that. But I had to worry about some other things. Board meetings where dad was the chairman of the board and I carried out the motions. You know what I'm talking about? I had to worry about that. Dad wouldn't put me up for adoption, but he'd make me wish I was being put up for adoption. Boy, if I didn't follow and I didn't follow suit and obey the, obey the commands and do what I ought to do and be what I ought to be, are you accepted of him? Are you pleasing to the Lord right now? Is, are you pleasing in your words, in your actions? He said, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is called the Bema seat or the judgment seat. It's going to happen immediately following the rapture. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Ah. In other words, the judgment seat is going to reveal my life, my works, from the moment I got saved to the moment I saw Jesus. Watch me now. Watch me now. Don't miss this. A Christian will not be condemned. Your sin was dealt with on the cross when Jesus died. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We're not talking about sin. We're talking about your works from the moment you got saved till the moment you see Jesus. I mean, are you in, in the battle? Are you in the arena or are you up on the sideline critiquing the people that are in the arena? Are you, are you serving Christ? Are you living for him? Every day that you live and every moment, we've got two pallets to build our life with. The gold, silver, precious stone pallet and the wood, hay, stubble pallet. And either I'm building with gold, silver, precious stones, doing what I do for Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, or I'm building with wood, hay, stubble pallet, doing what I do for myself or in the power of myself. Either one, it's wood, hay, stubble, and it will be burned up on that day. How is it? I think sometimes, Pastor, people think that the judgment seat of Christ is just going to be like the award ceremony after a church picnic. And these guys won the potato race, and these guys won the three-legged race, and some gets a blue ribbon, some get a red ribbon, and some get a, a white ribbon. It's not going to be that way. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, those that don't, don't live for Christ are going to suffer loss. They're going to see what a waste. Their life was not living for Jesus and not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, verse number 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That's not the terror of the Lord in hell. That's the terror of the Lord at the judgment. 
It was a fearful thing to stand at the Bema seat in Paul's day, and he likened it to standing at the judgment seat. Therefore, knowing for the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest to your consciences. Wow. Do you know what the commands are to the Christians in light of the second coming of Jesus Christ? Watch. We sang about it this morning. Watch. Be ready. Have your lamps trimmed and bright. Be ready. Be ready. Don't be working in the world and don't be neglecting the coming of Jesus Christ. Watch. He's coming. You say, well, why didn't he just tell us the exact date? Do you know why? The same reason that you parents, when you leave your kids at home and give them a job to do, you don't tell them when you're coming back. And you tell them, you threaten them within an inch of their life, they better have it done by the time you get back. That's the same reason. We would procrastinate to the very last end. No, watch, watch. The command is wait, wait. The command is pray over and over in light of the coming of Jesus Christ. The command is occupy. That means work and that means walk with the Lord. That means win your neighbors. He said, preacher, what are you saying to us that are saved? I'm saying if you're saved, you better change your thinking and get right with God right now if you're not. What an embarrassment it would be for the carnal Christian to be involved in his carnality and his lethargy and his apathy and his indifference when Jesus Christ comes. Now's the time to get right with God. You see all these events in the Middle East and you say, oh, Jesus is coming. Yeah, so show up on church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Yeah, he is coming. So you better be careful how you talk to your spouse and not treat them like the dirt on the floor. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming. So you better not back talk your parents and act as though they're just your slave. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming. So you better open your Bible more than just twice a year. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming. You better bend your knees in prayer and try to get some answers in prayer laid up in store. Yes, Jesus is coming. So you better try to win your neighbors to Jesus. You see, his coming is certain and his coming is sobering. Sobering. Whatever you do for Jesus, this is another message to the Christian. Whatever you do for Jesus, you better do it right now. Some of you have been thinking about it. I'll live for Jesus someday when I get around to it. You forget the round to it. Better get to it right now. Right now. Quit talking about it and get on board. Quit talking about giving and give now. Quit, quit talking about living and live now for Jesus Christ. I want to say something else to those that are, uh, that, are, that are saved. If there's someone you're seeking to win to Christ, you better win them now. Plead with them. Plead with them earnestly. Plead with them gently. Plead with them at coffee. Plead with them on the street corner. Plead with them in the break room. Plead with them in your house. Plead with them on the streets. Plead with those you know. Plead with those that are perfect strangers. Plead with them. Do you know, I was at the airport the other day, and I have a whole pocket full of tracks, and I said, I need to give these tracks. But you know, even a preacher, and even a preacher that's outgoing and usually doesn't know a stranger, sometimes feels hesitancy. And, and I would give a track, and... They're, they're, in a, they're in, a, in a busy way. I better just let them go. Do you know what I'm going to do when I stand at Jesus' judgment seat? I'm going to say, I wish I had forgotten the foolish inhibitions and given them a gospel track. Hell and heaven are on the line, not hide and seek. Christian, we better get right with God. Hey, Jesus Christ is coming. You better get right with God and come to an old-fashioned altar when the preacher gives an altar call. Why wouldn't you? What are you waiting for? What are you afraid of? Why are you, why are you inhibited in your worship? I think of, 
uh, a preacher's wife that went to heaven a few years ago in North Carolina, Jenny Dietrich. Do you know what she said in the last six months of her life while she was struggling with cancer? She said, if I had to do it over again, I'd be less inhibited in my worship of Jesus. I think we're so worried about what the next guy thinks, how we worship Jesus. Well, when we get to heaven, all that's right out the window. And this is prep for then. So I want to say it's sobering for the believer because there's the judgment seat of Christ. But watch, it's sobering for the unbeliever. For the unbeliever. You say, what do you mean? Well, the unbeliever has got three things they can look forward to before hell. During the tribulation. You say, what are they? Number one, there's massive or, 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 or mindless deception. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus said, There shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Mind-numbing deception. You think that a politician is a liar now? Just wait till the Holy Spirit's influence is gone. And just wait till Antichrist comes to power. There are going to be bold-faced lies that most people would look at and say, well, I know that's not true on the face. And people will just say, that must be true. And they're going to follow it. Signs and wonders, the false prophet will come with all his false teaching. It will be mindless deception. And those that are here, if you don't trust Christ, you'll be deceived. You'll get the mark in your right hand and your forehead, and you'll worship the beast, the Antichrist, and you'll never have a chance to be saved. There will be major, major mindless deception. There will be, there will be major destruction. Revelation chapter 8. Just Revelation chapter 8. Go home this afternoon and read it. You know what happens? One third of all the trees in the world are burned up. It'll make wildfires in Colorado, Montana look like child's play, like a birthday candle. One third of all the trees are burned up. One third of all the seas and oceans in the world turn to blood. One third of all the sea life killed. Global warming, it's really going to happen. There's going to be major destruction. And there's nothing man can do about it. Get your little solar vehicle, get your little electric vehicle, and drive five miles if you can before you have to plug in again and go get another coffee. It's not going to help this world at all when God's judgment is unleashed against it. One-third of all the shipping vessels and sea, uh, seafaring is going to be stopped because the waters are turned to blood. One-third of the stars are turned black. One-third of the rivers are turned to wormwood. And you know what happens at the end of chapter 8? An angel flies out of heaven and said, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it's going to make the worst horror movie that you've ever seen seem like a Sunday school lesson. That's what you have to look forward to if you don't get saved and you go to the tribulation. There's going to be major destruction and then there's going to be eternal damnation. You say, where do you get this? From Revelation chapter number 19 and Revelation 14. Revelation 14, 20, speaking of the battle of the Armageddon, says the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses bridled by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. When Jesus Christ does battle with the Antichrist in the valley of Megiddo, north of Jerusalem, that river is going to go so long and so high, it'll be a river of blood up to the horses bridle. And then God will call all the birds of the air to come and eat up all the carcasses. And in Revelation 19 and verse 21, the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeds out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. 
That's what you have to look forward to, my friend, if you're not saved, and that is all before hell. It'll be a hell on earth. You know what that means? It's a sobering event, and if that means you're here and you're not saved, you better run to Jesus today, and you can run to Jesus today. He stands with arms open wide that he stretched out himself on the cross, that they were, his hands were pierced, and he was wounded for you and for your transgressions so that only his blood could wash away your sin. And if you will come to him today as the sinner that you are and call upon him pleading guilty and pleading for his mercy, he'll save you. That's what his promise is. I want to say, ready or not, here I come. And he'll come whether you're ready or not. He'll come whether you scoff at him or not, whether you believe in him or not, whether you acknowledge what I'm preaching today is true or not. He'll come. And when he comes, you'll remember this face. And you'll remember the little blonde-headed midget from North Carolina. And you'll remember how he ran it and raved and spat all over the first row so that he would plead with you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you'll remember that with tears in my voice and in my heart, I pled with you to be saved. And you'll remember that you didn't. And you'll wish upon everything that you are that you had. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to thank you for your attention to the Bible this morning. We need to get ready because Jesus is coming, ready or not. I wonder with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. You say, preacher, truth be told, God's spirit has spoken to my heart about something that I need to get right before I stand at the judgment seat. If the rapture happened in 11 minutes, I know that I'd go to be with him, but I'd be ashamed. I'd be ashamed of the way that I'm living as a Christian. Would you pray for me that I get right? If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? Let me pray for you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for this tender response. Who else along with these several? Slip up your hand. You say, preacher, God has spoken to me. There's things in my life that ought not be and things that ought be that are not. Preacher, pray for me. I need to get right. I need to get ready for Jesus to come. God bless you. God bless you. Question number two. I want to ask Christians again, how many would say, preacher, you've spoken on this matter of winning folks to Christ and there's someone that God has laid on my heart. Would you pray with me that in the next two weeks I would have the courage and the wisdom to speak with them and meet with them and try to win them to Christ and, and get them to trust Christ? If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? Many, several all across the building. Let's use these next few days to try to grip, get them to Jesus. Let's use these next few days. And if you raised your hand just now in the last two questions, when we have our invitation, I want you to get right. In fact, you don't have to wait till the pianist plays. You can start praying right now. Question number three, how many of you with heads bowed and eyes closed can say, Preacher, I, I, I know some things, and there's some things I have yet to learn, but there's one thing I'm sure of. If I died today, I'd go to heaven. If I died next week, I'd go to heaven. If Jesus came today, I'd go to be with him. If you don't know that, don't raise your hand. If you've never been saved. But if you have been saved and you've been born again, and if Jesus came today, you'd go to be with him. You know that. Would you slip your hand up high? Preacher, I know that if Jesus came today, I know that I'd go to be with him. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I wonder, is there anybody here this morning that would say, Brother Smith, I, I don't know that. Some of this is new to me and unfamiliar. And I know that I'm a sinner. Any honest person would admit that. I know that I, I'm going to face a consequence. Any reasonable person would acknowledge that. But I, I don't know how to avoid that consequence. Now, I'd like to get saved. I'd like to get it settled and, and know that my sins are forgiven. 
and that I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anybody in this place like that? God bless you. Is there another? Thank you. Is there someone else? Slip up your hand. I'm looking. The pastor's looking. No one else. God bless you. Thank you. Who else along with these three or four? Preacher, pray for me. I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I need to know, and I truly want to know. Would you pray for me? Anyone else along with these? Thank you. Yes, I see that. Anyone else along with these three or four? Thank you. All right, now, if you just raised your hand, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I am alone looking. If you just raised your hand, would you lift your eyes and look at me, please, for just a moment, for just a moment? Did you mean that? How back here, did you mean that? Over here on my left, did you mean that? How about here? All right, now, you can be saved right now. You can be saved right where you're at. Coming to Jesus is not a, is not a, a movement of your body. It is a movement of your heart. And Jesus says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And I want to say to you four or five that raised your hand just now, you can come to Jesus in your heart right there, and you can call upon the Lord. He'll save you. If you'll repent, that is, plead guilty of your sin, and then receive Jesus as your Savior, he'll save you. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And right there where you sit, if you want to be saved, you can bow your head and call upon the name of the Lord. And I would encourage you to do that. Our word of prayer, nothing magical about the words, but if you'll pray this prayer in your own words to the Lord and cry out to the Lord saying, Lord, I'm a guilty sinner and I need a Savior and I want you to be my Savior, He'll save you right where you're at. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. Not once, but many times. And I don't deserve your love. I know that I'm a guilty sinner. And I need a Savior. And Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I believe you died and rose again to save me. And right now, I receive you into my heart. Wash away my sin. Give me eternal life. And the home in heaven that you promised. Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one is looking but me. And pastor, if you just raised your hand just now and said, I just prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to save me. Would you lift your hand right now as a testimony to that fact? God bless you. Okay. Thank the Lord for these. Good. Now I want to say to you, in a moment we're going to stand. Brother Paul is going to begin singing and Sarah is going to begin playing. There are those here at the front that want to help you and give you verses of encouragement. If you just prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to save you, listen to me carefully. Jesus saved you. He saved you right there. And he secured your reservation in heaven so that when he comes, now he's not just coming for the rest of us, he's coming for you. I want to encourage you to come on the first note of the invitation. Take pastor by the hand say, Pastor, I, I, I just trusted Christ and I need some verses of help and assurance. And someone will provide that. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Everyone standing. Father, thank you for these that have just by uplifted hand indicated that they've called upon the name of Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would help them now in their newfound life. Help them to come and get some verses of help and assurance during this few brief verses of invitation. But Lord, I pray that they would get their word of God and begin to make it a regular part of their life. Thank you that four or five people, as far as I could tell, are no longer on their way to hell. They're on their way to heaven because they've called upon the name of Christ. 
And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd give them courage to walk with you now step by step in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The pianist is softly playing. God speaking as Brother Paul sings. You come right now. Don't wait. You come right now as he sings. Come right now. It may be at morn when the day is awaking. God bless you. When sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking. Amen. That Jesus Amen. will come in the fullness Amen. of glory. Who else? God's spoken to your heart. You say, the preacher, the aisle is long. It's long, but it'll be all right. You come on. You're amongst friends. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Who else? Now's the time to come to the Lord. That's right. Who else? You're amongst friends that love you. Come on to Jesus. Maybe you didn't pray, but you need some answers, and, and you're seeking answers. Come on. That's right. God bless you. Christians pray right now. God's speaking to hearts. This is going to be our last verse unless pastor decides otherwise. Who else needs to come? You said, preacher, I just called upon the name of the Lord. You come on. Maybe you didn't call, but you need to call. Come on right now. That's right. Come on. God bless you. Who else? Is there another? Is there another? Thank you, Lord, for your salvation that's freely given because of the price that was paid so dearly by our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for those that had questions and are settling that today. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that you help us as believers to be serious about the life that we have and preparing for the, the day that our works will be judged by you. And so, Father, I pray you help us to be sober-minded in that and and truly ready when that day comes. If it be today, let us be found doing the work of the Lord today. Lord, we do love you. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge. And Lord, I just thank you even for what's going on in our world today, that it's just helping us to be focused on what truly is important. And I pray that you help us now as believers, cast off the junk that holds us down and let us not be inhibited by any of that, but tell others about the love of Christ and to be what you want us to be. Whatever needs to be done, I pray you do that in our hearts and our lives today and throughout the week. Thank you, Lord, for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like you to be seated just for a moment. We'll have the ushers grab the plates and come quickly. And thank you, Brother Dwight. What a challenging message. <clears throat> Brother Dwight, I just preached on Revelation chapter 8 last Sunday night, and that is one of the scariest chapters in all the Bible, isn't it? For those that don't know Christ and uh, for those that do, we just uh, praise the Lord for his goodness and his grace and the salvation that he gives us. So 
want to take an offering for the Crow family and the and the Smith family, and uh, we'll we'll do this each evening. So uh, don't worry, you have plenty of time, and and so just uh, want to uh, be a blessing to them. And uh, my heart rejoices with those who are settling things today, and uh, we are truly uh, um, blessed uh, to see that. So let's pray. And then as soon as I get done praying, we take the offering, and then we will, I'll pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the food right now also, and then we'll, we'll have Tom here to give us instructions how to move all the chairs, get tables set up, and those that are, uh, please, all of you stay if you can, but I just ask that those from, <clears throat> actually from this first half back, uh, <clears throat> grab your stuff and come on forward and have a seat and talk and fellowship until we can get everything moved around, and I know that uh, want you to stay as long as you want to uh, this afternoon and fellowship and enjoy the food, and we'll get tables set up and all of that there with us, and uh, just so glad each one of you are here. Father, we thank you again for today. Thank you <coughs> for the Smiths and the Crows and the friendship, and thank you, Lord, for their lives being dedicated to you, and so, Lord, I pray that you take the offering that we have today to be a blessing and a help and meet the needs that they have. I pray that you bless the, the meal afterwards and the fellowship, Lord, how, how truly important it is, the, just the relationships with each other. And thank you, Lord, for each one who's here. And I pray that their hearts have been stirred and challenged today. I pray you guide and direct us now in Jesus' name. Amen.
What a day that will be. We're going to dismiss, but uh, all of you who are, who are visitors today, uh, you know, I, I was giving thought to this even as Dwight was preaching. Everyone needs a church home, and you need a church family, and you need those that uh, uh, can lift you up and, and help you through the trials and the, the waves that come. And, and uh, so I hope that uh, you have been welcomed today. We would love for you to stay. If you are uh, a visitor today and you stay, we want you guys at the front of the line. Uh, we'd, we'd like, uh, uh, I'm always delicate how I say this, if you're old enough to draw Social Security, we'd like you towards the front of the line also. Uh, I'll just leave it at that, all right? <clears throat> and uh, we'll, the rest of us will take up the back. But uh, we're, we're just uh, thrilled to have every one of you here today. And uh, you are a friend. And we're glad that you're here with us. And uh, God bless you guys. We're dismissed.